Little bloop, Graham. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I hurt myself. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done this. That's what a Ooh, pandemic man. monkey sounds like. forgotten what it is. <laughs> Who so, knows what a monkey sounds like after being locked down for months and months. Uh, pox filled, apparently, which is a yeah, that's true. foreshadowing of some of the topics of today. Welcome back to the latest episode of Science Monkey. We've been on extended hiatus for extended many months. Hiatus, yeah. <laughs> but we were lured back. Has it been eight to, months? It's been at least. I, I, I thought it was like more like a year. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's been at least eight months. And our fan some, will tell us. Our fan, <laughs> I think he might have died. <laughs> um, we do have some a couple of episodes in the can from a couple of years ago. I haven't published yet. Maybe I'll bring them out as a... Uh, science monkey the lost episodes so right, stay right. tuned out there the lost episodes will be available to you very very soon uh so what lured us some back people, some people are going to want them to remain lost i think <laughs> if i remember us... if i remember the quality of the episodes i think there's a reason they weren't released but anyway. <laughs> i was about to say what lured us back was the new <laughs> pandemic threat of monkeypox which we'll talk about in a bit mm-hmm. but first off i'm here with professor graham sanders of the university of toronto where he is a specialist in medieval chinese poetry so relevant to our <laughs> conversations here by my background here right? so, and i'm here well we're not really here with each other but we're online i'm online here with uh, Rewat dunandan a professor and epidemiologist at the university of ottawa who needs no introduction at this point after uh, years and yet, of... and yet i got one Look at yeah. that. <laughs> so i was very excited when graham dialed in and showed me his magical chinese background i mm. thought wow he's upped his video game until right. i realized it's virtual it's virtual, yeah. So he's about to reveal to us the reveal genuine what... environment. <laughs> I should have put some, something horrible. By, by, <laughs> by the way, for, for our audio listeners, uh, <laughs> we are recording this on video as well. Uh, so we're making reference to his video background. And I'm sorry you are. can't see it, but there is the reality of where he is. Yeah, this is where I actually live. Yeah. Looks not not in a Chinese landscape painting from the Ming Dynasty. So. It looks fake still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we... Uh, we're making this a very short episode, but um, I want to talk a little bit about you know, the, current, the current public health news, which is all about the pox, the monkey. And uh, I've been doing a lot of media on this topic, and people are asking the same questions over and over. And I'm wondering if Graham would ask mm-hmm. me the same questions if he could. If he were interviewing an epidemiologist about monkeypox, what right. are the questions on the tip of his Chinese-speaking right. tongue? Okay. <laughs> I actually want to go to a very basic question which is i think monkeys are getting a bad rap here so why is it called monkeypox i think you know the answer to this but thank you for asking anyway the the disease was first identified in copenhagen of all places which is known for rampant monkeys monkeys. yeah monkeys are everywhere you can't even see the little mermaid anymore it's just covered in monkeys. they went for the danishes (laughs) they stayed for the mermaids uh, in 58, a colony of captive monkeys, this disease was identified in, so it's called monkeypox. And it's a mis- misnomer because... Did you say 1558? No, 1958. Oh, okay. That's where it first reached <clears throat> Europe? This is where it's first identified. Okay. In captive lab monkeys. So it wasn't oh, okay. in the population, just in the laboratory. And, wait, wait. Um, How did they get the pox if they were captive lab monkeys? Um... I make no aspersions on the personal lives of Danish technicians. Right. Okay. You know, what they're doing. They probably got infected before they were in before the they arrived at the lab. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
interesting question though. We've just started a whole conspiracy theory. Right <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so it's a misnomer because the disease is actually most prevalent. Uh, we think it's natural reservoir is rodents mm. in Central and West Africa. So not monkeys per se. Right. Um, but that's that's who's blamed for this. It's always the monkey taking yeah. the taking the fall. When in doubt, blame the rats. Yeah. Or the fleas on the rats. Yeah. And, and you know, it's um there are lots of other animal poxes. Uh, it's part of the orthopox family. It includes camel pox and cow pox mm-hmm. and I forgot other kinds of poxes. You're just making stuff up now. I could be. Opossum pox. Ocelot pox. Koala pox. <laughs> <laughs> platypus pox which is fun fine pox <laughs> but you know, you know not chicken pox though it's a distant relative of chicken pox it's, it's closer to you know cow pox and oh what's that one pangaloon pentagon pang- pangolin pangolin pox that's pangolin right pox. thank you yeah actually the pangolin i think was disease carrying for some other yeah epidemic. covid, COVID. COVID. Oh, yeah it was covid yeah. Yeah. Okay. the pangolin pox is also a good name for harry potter uh, character mm-hmm. yeah all right so my next question now that we've settled that really monkeys don't bad deserve rap, the rap, bad rap for, for monkeys um how, what was the next question Did, well i'll cut straight to the chase how afraid should we be yeah. from my point of view it doesn't seem highly contagious because it's not airborne you need close contact with the person who has it and this is a question i want answered does the person have to actually have active pox or pustules or whatever you call them in order to get it? Or will they be contagious before anything's showing on their skin? Right. All very good questions. I will answer them to the best of my knowledge with the caveat that I am not a monkeypox expert. Mm. I have some basic grounding in monkeypox fundamentals. Oh, I'm shutting this off right now. <laughs> the MPFs. <laughs> so uh, the first question was how contagious is it? How worried you should be? Mm. Uh, you personally probably more than the average person because of your close proximity to monkeys right. and your tendency to be untoward with mm-hmm. various animal species. Yeah, yeah. But most people... There are going to be a lot of disappointed monkeys out there. <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it a 2 of, of concern. That sounds uh, very that. precise. <laughs> because I've been asked this question so many times. So many times. What, what does 1 mean? What does 10 mean on that scale? <laughs> and you're assuming it's a linear scale. It might be logarithmic. Yeah. On a linear scale, right. <laughs> I'll give it a two. Uh, meaning it's not nothing, mm-hmm. but we have the tools to contain it. And we know the tools work because there was an outbreak in 2003 in the USA. Mm-hmm. The first known case of um, monkeypox making into the human wild outside of Africa. And that was easily contained in the sense that 70 people got it, all of whom survived and did not run out of control in the American population. And by the way, they all got it from contact with exported Ghanaian animals, not hmm. from other people. Really? Oh, did not Exported be. Ghanaian animals. So yes. in the US? In the US, that's right. So what does that mean? What kind of animals and what? Uh, I think it was some kind there? of prairie dog. Okay. I didn't know there was like a big market for Ghanaian prairie dogs. I hear the they're US. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you get it. You get the disease from animal bites, animal scratches, okay. contact with the, um, the fluids of infected mammals that mm. include people and animals. That's why currently um, the current rash, pun intended, mm. of, of human cases might have been due in large part to sexual contact. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, you get it from someone breathing on your face from the large droplets mm-hmm. that we think constituted right. speaking um, moistly yeah. speaking moistly yeah. fair amount of transmission for covid as well so those droplets that fall to the ground within one or two meters um that's why you shouldn't look longingly into the eyes of a monkeypox infected person and inhale their their quintessence right. any great vigor say um, don't spray that's... say don't spray and also not the news not the weather touching <laughs> common surfaces so okay. sharing bed sheets with an infected person mm-hmm. not a good idea which is probably why the sexual contact was such an important part which of course that's become how it's portrayed in the news is it's a sexually transmitted disease yeah and, and that's i would assume one vector of, of many, exactly but, yeah it, it's frustrating because ebola and zika have both been found in semen mm-hmm. and we don't think about ebola and zika as sexual diseases mm-hmm. so we shouldn't think about this as a sexual disease right. either so we yeah. just want to stigmatize a certain population for yeah. engaging in, in the noogie right uh, Right. So, how, so get back to your question. Should you mm-hmm. be worried if if you're not engaging in the noogie with monkeys? You right. probably should not be worried. I'm not eating Ghanaian prairie dogs either. There, so. there, there it is. Um, so let public health do its job. Public health should be concerned and, and vigilant. You and I, not so much yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. Mm-hmm. Now you now mentioned. You're scaring me. Is it is it airborne? Um, mm-hmm. There is at least one paper suggesting there is an airborne component to its mm-hmm. transmission. So. Many respiratory viruses probably have some degree of aerosol transmission, so it's not surprising. Uh, but the fact that it's spreading on airplanes or might be spreading on airplanes suggests that you know, uh, it's probably more aerosolized than we thought. Right. Yeah, good times. Uh, so and the other question- The other part was, when is it contagious? Um, yeah. Is so, it something that can spread when they're, they don't even have symptoms yet type of thing? That was the big concern for COVID, right? We think yeah. that many, if not most, cases of transmission, at least early in the pandemic, were stealth transmission of people transmitting before they knew they were infected. Mm-hmm. That does not seem to be the case for poxes. Right. So um, once you start showing symptoms is when you're probably contagious. Symptoms include the fever, uh, the coughing, the sore throat, and then the rash. So throughout that ordeal, so pre so pre rash pre rash but post other symptoms you could be contagious so you might think i just have a a flu or something although most people yeah. probably think they would have covid when they have those symptoms um okay i think the rule of thumb is if you got a fever and coughing just don't go near people it's like good news honey i don't have covid bad news it's <laughs> <laughs> and i guess which leads me to the last question is how lethal is it okay excellent question there are two strains or two clades of monkeypox. One is the Congolese clade and the other mm. is the West African clade. The Congolese what is clade? clade? Clade is a collection of similar phenotypes or genotypes. Wait, is that an acronym or is that just a term? No, no, it's a real word. It's the other clade. Thing. Okay. So, like I mean, it's like not a gaggle of geese or a parliament of owls or is a clade of disease? Clade of epidemiologists? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's a technical genetic term, but I, I mean, I'm trying to avoid saying strain or variant. It's not quite a strain or variant. We'd say okay. version, two versions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the Congolese version is more lethal than the West African version. It's got a, the Congolese has a, a CFR, which is case fatality ratio of about right. 10%, meaning 10% of people that we know catch it, die of it. That's higher than I thought, actually. Oh, yes. Remember. Case fatality rate has some nuances, which I'll talk about in a second, if you want. Okay. Um, the West African version has a case fatality ratio of between 1% and 4%, much lower. 
And that's the version we see spreading around the world, the less right. uh, lethal version. Yeah, I guess that would spread more easily because people are surviving to spread it, right? Oh, but, possibly. Um, yeah. But, you know. So how does that compare to COVID CFRs? Okay, um, this is where we get into the epidemiological nitty gritty here. Well, I knew we had you here for a reason. <laughs> CFR versus IFR. Uh -huh. So CFR, case fatality ratio, the fraction of known cases that are known to die. But what are the known cases? The ones that we know about ones that mm. present themselves for testing. Mm -hmm. And the known deaths are the ones that we know who died. Right. Uh, with COVID and the flu and diseases that run rampant through the population often go untested. People get it all the time and don't know about it. They die of it and don't know about it. Yeah. So there's an enormous denominator that is unknown. So right. we call the true fraction of all cases, known and unknown, that die is the IFR or infection mm. fatality rate. Hmm. The fraction of known cases that are known to die is the mm -hmm. CFR, the case okay. fatality ratio. The case fatality ratio is always is the, larger than the IFR. Is the IFR just inferred from available you're so, data? You're such a smart man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you don't know what you don't know, so it's yeah. modeled. Right, right, okay. And so there's a, a raging debate over what is the true IFR of a disease like COVID. Um, most people accept that it's probably between 0.7 and 1. Right. So 1% is okay. commonly cited. So CFR, CFR would be, lead you to believe that it's actually more lethal than it really is, but yes. you're not capturing all the people that got it and you don't know about yeah. it. Right? During the height of the, of the pandemic in Canada, the COVID mm -hmm. CFR was like 13%. Right, okay. Yeah. And that's a function, frankly, of, of who gets it. Like um, uh, the, the sickest, the oldest, the frailest are the ones presenting themselves to the hospital, ones right. most likely to die, yeah. and also the quality of your healthcare system. So right. a, a better healthcare system will keep you alive longer. Mm -hmm. right? um, so with the CFR of monkeypox, those are experienced in Central and West African nations, which have poor healthcare systems right. like we do here, okay. but, you have, but you tend to have a younger, stronger population. So there's mm -hmm. that balancing act. Mm -hmm. um, but the belief is that the, the CFR as experienced in North America and Europe will be less, right. will be less lethal. I realized I forgot my glasses. That's why you look blurry. <laughs> <You don't know. laughs> this is uh, unedited, people. Uh, we're experiencing the, the majesty. Oh, well. I don't see them anywhere. <laughs> if I had my glasses, I could find my glasses. <laughs> but anyway, I'll just muddle through. Um, we'll the, the, the other uh, question then is, I believe there's a vaccine, right? To yeah. monkeypox. So and... before, we get to the, before we get to the vaccine, more yeah, yeah, about yeah. the about fatality rate here is it is oh, more okay. lethal amongst mm. for children. Oh, it is? It is, yeah. Oh. Um, that's where most of the deaths will occur. Mm -hmm. um, that is concerning, of course. Yeah. So um, that's one of the reasons don't take this disease lightly. And that's unlike COVID, right? Because COVID seemed to be... That is the belief that COVID yeah. has a, a lesser um, serious rate amongst children, mm -hmm. which is controversial because a lot of people, in my opinion, minimize the impact on children. Right. Is it minimize or minimize? Minimize. You don't need to stick an extra syllable in there. Yeah. Do you call them minimalizers or minimizers? People who... Ooh, that's a good, that's a good point. I would say minimalizer, but, at, uh, but then I would say minimize. So minimalizer is minimize. A minimizer. Hmm. Is that so like minimizer, a very tall person, is very, a very small person who's stingy? That was minimizer. the joke I was going to make. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's a long setup. <laughs> a joke that was stolen from yanked me. it out from under you and i flubbed it anyway so anyway i'm sure you would have told it better <laughs> anyway vaccine 
<laughs> vaccine, yeah, vaccine. So I've heard there's a vaccine, but I imagine that we wouldn't want like mass general vaccination, but we'd vaccine certain populations or, you know. That, Excellent questions. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, the discovery of the smallpox vaccine was, or the development of the smallpox vaccine was made possible because of observations of variolation Mm-hmm. with milkmaids and cowpox. Mm-hmm. So uh, cowpox is the pox of this family. It spreads from cows and milkmaids or young women who milk cows mm-hmm. were being exposed to cowpox all the time and got to cowpox sores and they were found to be immune to smallpox. Right, right. As a result, this cross-immunity idea was, was born that if you uh, uh, can be rendered immune to one of these strains of these animal mm-hmm. foxes and you got immune to the other ones. That's true here too. So there is a belief based upon observations in Africa that the smallpox vaccine that we have a lot of experience with renders vaccine effectiveness against monkeypox of about 85%. 85? 85%. Okay. Yeah, which is better than the COVID vaccines at the moment. And that's, I believe that is effectiveness. Ah, there you are. Whoa, glasses on. (laughs) Graham is not wearing his glasses. You look a lot Um, younger now, actually. That's good. (laughs) Okay. 85% effective. And we just have smallpox vaccine lying around, I suppose, but we have no one's used it in a while because smallpox has been gone for so long, right? Yeah. So So that's not entirely accurate. We Hmm. don't have smallpox vaccine lying around. Ah, We have a new recipe. (laughs) (laughs) The smallpox vaccine that you and I got, because we're old Hmm. enough to have gotten it, was a, I believe it was a live uh, virus vaccine, which they would be horrifying. People yeah, are f- yeah. afraid of mRNA vaccines, which are so incredibly safe. And it left a scar on Yeah, the these live vaccines too. with these yeah. enormous needles. Yeah. Like showing a telephone pole through your arm. Mm-hmm. That was our youth, people. Yeah. And no <laughs> um, one complained. No one complained. I don't think they even told me. They just said, go line up there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, roll up your sleeve, boom. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> so we don't have those anymore. And, and, and by the way, you and I probably have some lingering immunity to monkeypox mm-hmm. as a result. But so much time has gone by, we probably don't have enough immunity to prevent outright infection. Right. That's funny. Before before COVID came along, I kind of assumed vaccines were sort of a lifetime thing. Yeah, curious. Huh? And uh, now I realize they're not, not even smallpox. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it's unclear. Um, your immune system has two arms, the humoral arm and the cellular arm. Mm-hmm. The humoral arm is the one that produces antibodies. Antibodies that for... Yeah, that's when you like <laughs> so that's the one that prevents initial infection the right. cellular arm the t cells and b cells and mm-hmm. so forth are the ones that once you've been infected that prevent you from dying right. so the cellular arm um cellular immunity tends to last longer maybe lifetime oh okay so, maybe, so we might still get it, but we're less likely to die. Much less. Right. The yeah. same with the COVID vaccines, by the way. People complain right. that, oh, the immunity is waning. No, just the humoral immunity is waning. Right, right, the ability right. to keep you out of the morgue, extraordinarily good. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the smallpox vaccine, we don't have anymore, but we have a new one. In 2019, uh, FDA approved one made by, I think the company's called Jinmyo, mm-hmm. which is in a modified non-replicating smallpox virus. And what's their stock ticker? Uh, exactly. <laughs> I looked into it immediately. <laughs> their their um, their value did go up. 
Right. And uh, even watching this, buy after I buy. Do not do not push the price up until after I made a purchase. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's a second a second vaccine. I think. Well, you can you can release this episode after you've made your That's purchase. That's true. Right? That's so. true. I've got the name of the second vaccine. Um, it's the second one has not been approved for monkeypox, but it mm. should work. And the first one, Jinmyo, is only approved for those 18 and above. But I, I suspect oh. there'll be some investigation for children, which is concerning. You know, um, right. I did mention the CFR is higher for children. Um, but yeah, but it's got 85% effectiveness, and it's being used both as a treatment and as a prophylaxis. Oh, a treatment. Okay. Yeah, so within like four days, is it four days or 48 hours? Well, within a couple of days of being exposed to small monkeypox. Mm. Um, the vaccine can be used to, to treat you as well. So a vaccine can boost your immune system to fight it off even after you've been yes. infected. Oh, okay. That Is that true of all vaccines yeah. or only? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's good. And we also have treatments. So mm -hmm. uh, there are at, oh, at least Bella. One. Hey, Bella. That's uh, Graham's dog just walked <laughs> by in the background for Ghost audio listeners. Furry white thing. <laughs> Um, there's at least She's one drinking water in the background too. So sorry about that. My dog's here somewhere as well, but he's banned because you know, <laughs> uh, at least one antiviral has been approved for monkeypox. It's mm. called T-pox is the commercial name. It's sticker price also went up dramatically. <laughs> uh, and there's a second one that will be approved probably very, very soon. So we have two strong antivirals that can be used. So yeah, there, there's vaccines and treatments. Yeah. Okay. More than could be said at the beginning of COVID. Oh, yeah. Whole different yeah. scenario. And let me say, um, there are a lot of advantages. <laughs> this sounds strange. A lot of advantages to monkeypox. What mm. I mean is, yeah. if you're going to choose a virus to be your public health threat, I'd prefer it be monkeypox than right. SARS-CoV-2. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Also because um, the, uh, the, the way that monkeypox infection unfolds in your body first there is the uh the fever and you know the sore throat and the cough mm. and uh within a few days you get the rash mm. and the rash is small pox like it's hideous it's on right. your hands and face usually the extremities yeah. and for most people in two three weeks after that it goes away on its own no problem does it, does it leave scarring most no. people know a handful okay. yes but most people know right. however because it is visible and ugly a, people don't want to get it. No one's going to minimize it. Minimize? Minimize. Yeah. Minimize it. Yeah, minimize um, it. And we know if you got it. We can see you and stay. Right, there. right. Yeah. Unclean. Unclean. Yeah, yeah. And you know if you've had it. So therefore, you probably have immunity if you've had it. So with COVID, it's unclear if you had it already. Mm -hmm. So having that experience is, is quite useful. I had a, so, love I'm sorry. Yeah, I had another uh, question just related to COVID and these sorts of um, viruses in general. We always talk about long COVID and all these things, kind of, but I, I'm sure COVID is not the only viral infection that has long-term effects. Yeah, and so all, I mean, all viral infections have some extent of, of post-infection sequelae. You know? Right. It's okay. Like, um, such I love that band. They're they're amazing. <laughs> Hopes infection sequelae. <laughs> also, uh, Harry Potter villain. Okay, so uh, yeah, the, I think that's our full rundown of monkeypox. Okay, monkeypox. It sounds like actually, luckily, it doesn't sound like there's too much to say about it. Um, you know, you should have. We should have done one of those things where you tweet out, ask me a question, and we could have. We still done. can uh, as this yeah. evolves. Uh, I, also, I already noticed it's kind of fallen away from the news. I don't see it. 
Right. Now, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. It, it shouldn't make really, I think it's good that people are aware of it. Mm-hmm. It's good that people are concerned about it. Uh, we're right. all primed to be cognizant of public health threats now. And it's good that it's falling away. Um, mm-hmm. I think people are aware now of the true devastating nature of a pandemic. It's not yes. just about people yeah. getting sick. It's ideological fracture. It's economic mm-hmm. disaster. Mm-hmm. So we should be interested in avoiding pandemics. I do want to say one more thing about monkeypox and its contagiousness. Yes. Um, everyone is an expert now on epidemiology, things like reproduction number. <laughs> reproduction that number. and Ukrainian-Russian relations. Those are the two that exactly. <laughs> we have going around right now. Uh, if you're, do you remember what the reproduction number is? Can you define it? Reproduction number, the R, R was it R not? Uh, let's see. Reproduction R2. Number. Oh yeah, R two. Thank you. It's no, the no, number. No, it's the number of people that will get the disease from you once you've had it, and how many people you will transmit it to. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the Basically. R is mm-hmm. the average number of people um, that will be produced. Average number of cases produced by an existing case right. during the course of that case's infection. Yeah, that's so, what I said. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, it is what you said. Now, <laughs> a, a case is resolved in one of two ways: either you right, cure it right. or you die. So okay. until you stop being infected, how many people you infect? But there's an RT and R not. The RT is any given moment, how is that unfolding with mitigation tools in place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The R not is um, how how many people you're going to infect in a genuinely naive population. Right. Uh, and that we use that to compare the infectiousness or the contagiousness of various diseases. Mm-hmm. So uh, measles has one that's probably around 18, which is yeah, it's very astounding. High. Yeah, astoundingly right. contagious. Um, Omicron, maybe eight, eight to twelve, which is pretty high still. That's pretty high, yeah. Pretty high, yeah. The original uh, COVID, SARS-CoV two, Wuhan strain, probably mm. three. Right, right. That's I didn't know Omicron was so much more contagious. Hey, I was on the news when Delta was a dominant strain, saying Delta was the most contagious respiratory virus we'd ever seen. Then mm. Omicron came along and blew it out of the water. Right, right. So, um, so smallpox was probably a three also. Mm. Monkeypox, uh, the best estimate I saw based on modeling was 2.13. Mm-hmm. So not nearly as contagious right, as right. any of the, the COVID candidates, right. but it's greater than one, which means it still renders exponential growth. Yes, yeah. yeah so Anything over the one is, is bad news, I would think. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know Omicron was so in, infectious, so that made, I mean, I knew it was, but I didn't know it was that factor, like from three to eight or 12. It's crazy, man. So um, Appy did get COVID recently, and we assume it was Omicron. Just famous partner. Yeah, my partner. And seeing as we're in this small apartment together, we didn't really do any isolation measures. And I kept on testing using, you know, antigen home testing. And then I never tested positive, even though she continued to test uh, positive. Um, Can I assume I didn't get it or can I just... Yeah, it's a good question. It sounds weird that I wouldn't get it if it's so contagious. So are you doubly or triply vaxxed? I was triply vaxxed at that point. Okay, so a number of things are happening here. One, you've got very good immunity from vaccination. Two, you might might have been infected in the past and not know it. Right. So you you might have hybrid immunity, which is the combination of vaccination plus infection. You may have some some innate natural immunity. Mm -hmm. Um, So you may have been infected not have carried sufficient viral load to trigger a rapid test. Because right. rapid tests do not test for the presence of the RNA of the virus as it does mm. a PCR test. Mm. A rapid test tests for the presence of the virus itself based on right. its antigens. And 
it will only trigger a positive if there's sufficient viral load in your sample to be a threat to other people. Right, I see. Okay. And so maybe you're infected, but at a sub-infectious level. Right. Okay. Well, we we both isolated for the, the whole time anyway, but... Um, and you, so, but you lost all your hair. And that's, yeah, that's all the side effects. I did. You don't I, talk about that's, enough. I was like Fabio before before that came along, but I didn't, you know, I just thought that was old age. <laughs> didn't know that yeah, was COVID. And I'm more like Flabio now. Ah. Um, anyway. Yeah, okay. So... <laughs> When it comes to that, then people listening to this are thinking, "This is why you're on hiatus for eight months." That's right. <laughs> you got nothing to say. <laughs> Which is a good segue to uh, <laughs> the facts and the furious. Yeah, sure lots of people will be waiting for. Unless you have something else to add. About I, I do actually. There was yeah. another uh, study that I want to bring to your attention. I, I shared it on Facebook. I'm not sure if you saw it. Have you been um, doing your own research? I have been doing my own research. Oh. It was a actually. It was a. Um, maybe I can share my screen and show people. Yeah. It was a uh, a poll by Ipsos Re. I want a you to guess. The, Wait, a yes. poem? A poll, P O L L. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like they're, po they're doing poems now? <laughs> <laughs> right. See, off air, air um, Graham is going to actually draft an Ipsos Re poem. Ipsos Re poem, yes. <laughs> so this to was be a, or not to be, check yes or no. This was a, a question asking men and women in the UK and USA about how much they think the opposite sex is having sex. Oh, this is going to be like a, a family feud thing. You can ask me and then I'll... I'll uh, <coughs> survey says, bless you. Do you have the monkeypox? I might. You, you've suddenly turned very... Very poxy. Pale on the screen. Okay. <laughs> did I? Yeah, you did. Okay, you know you're better. <laughs> all right okay so here's the question um if you were to ask mm -hmm. men right in the usa in the usa yes yeah. um what is the uh average number of times mm -hmm. a man has sex in a month in a month what would they say so men are saying this about other men. That's right, in the USA. And, and sex with any anyone of any gender, right? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm assuming it's heterosexual because I'm going to ask mm -hmm. what women think as well. Because if it's heterosexual, that would be different, I think. But yeah, yeah. let's go with heterosexual. I think that's okay. Nice. Um, let's say in a month, men think that other men are having sex. Uh, I'm just going to say four times a month, once a week. Interesting. Yeah. Because that is the actual number of right. times that men have sex in a mm -hmm. month, four times a month. Mm -hmm. um, the average man thought that other men were having sex 14 times. Oh, 14. Yes. <laughs> they got to go to work and stuff. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and in Great Britain, um, the average man thought that they were having sex 15 times a month. Wow. So they all think that the, the other men are having way more sex than they are. That's basically what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Exactly. Or they want to sound like they think that men have lots of sex and people infer that they themselves are having lots of sex. Now, women um, made the same guess. Essentially, mm -hmm. they thought 13, 14, 15 was the number of times mm -hmm. that men were having sex. Now, it's, it gets weirder, though, when we ask them about how many times women are having sex. And both mm -hmm. the U.S. and the U.K. guesses were, were very similar. So we're both separating them. Mm -hmm. So how many times a month, A, so that's the first one. How many times a month do you think women actually do have sex in the USA and UK? 
Wait, this yeah. is the, when they ask men? No, just the actual number. Like, um, oh, oh, you're asking me? Yes. What do you think the actual number is? Well, if I guessed that uh, four times a month was the real number for men, I'm going to stick with that for women too. <laughs> for women, it's actually six. Six, yeah. Yeah, they're having more sex than us, which is not surprising right. given who we are. Um, but, um, but the average woman thought that other women were having sex how often per month? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to split the difference between the actual number and what men thought and say 10. That's good. Uh, 12. 12, okay. 12, yeah. Now, here's a big one. How many times a month do you think men think that women have sex? Oh, right. Ah. Uh, they are probably thinking it's quite low, I bet. So I'll go back to four. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me sweeten it a bit. Um, this is I'm way off, the age group of 18 to 29. Right. That's also who's being asked. Okay. 18 to 29. And this is how often men think women are having sex a month. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time since I've been 18 to 29. So I'm trying to get into that sex. mindset. Uh, I'll, I'll, let's go back to 10 then. 23. I'll get out of here. <laughs> yes. The conclusion, of course, is men have no idea. No idea. The sexual activities of women, which right. is not surprising to either one of us. <laughs> Neither one of us has <laughs> this, any idea either. Okay. This says to me that most men think that most men are having more sex than they are and that most women are having a ton of sex and therefore they feel bad about themselves because they're not having as much sex as all these men and women out there that are having yeah. sex. So I, I think like media, yeah. I mean, I was growing up, I thought everyone's having sex all the time. Yeah. Um, and they were. How do we get on this topic? Was this, is, this, is this the facts and the furious? No, this is how we flirt. This is how you get monkey pox? Yeah. <laughs> We've established that that's not the only vector. <laughs> all right, moving on to our next segment. <laughs> facts and the furious. This is where... Uh, Graham and I ask each other science questions to see what our baseline science knowledge is, and it's always very, very poor. So who wants to go first? Want to go back and forth? How do I do this? I'll go first. You just went with this oh, okay. weird, irrelevant sex survey. So I'm going to ask you an easy... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to ask you an easy one, given that you're an epidemi epidemiologist. I think you should start with a hard one, given the previous topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Six generations back. How many great, great, great grandparents do you have? Oh my God. I can't do that math in my head. <laughs> six generations. Six like, generations. Um, um, six to the two. Uh, whatever six to the two is. <laughs> Not six, um, two to the two six. To the six. Whatever, whatever two to the six is. Two to the six is. I got to ask my two, Google assistant very fast. Two times. <laughs> two is four, right? Eight. I could cheat. 32. 64. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, 64. Another number? Okay, yeah. So it's, it's two to the six. Okay, now I'll, I'm going to follow up with another epidemiology okay. one, see if you can um, redeem yourself on this one. Well, it's a statistical population one. That doesn't have anything to do with disease. In a group of 23 people, there's more than a 50% chance that two of them share a birthday. I didn't know that, but yeah. that seems high to me. With a group of 57 people, what is the probability? So a little over twice as many people. Yeah, it'd be the same. No, it says here, well, I haven't verified it. It says 
Oh, well, I guessed. <laughs> Look, my staff seems to be watching this saying, you're an idiot. Yeah, right. you, you can cut this part out. <laughs> no, man. We'll go straight to, straight to you. Ask me a question. Here's, here's, my, here's my caveat here. I've yeah. been up since 4 a.m. because I'm going to do radio and PEI. And uh, actually, I, I fell asleep for a scheduled interview like two hours ago. Uh, I literally fell asleep at my desk and missed it. So really? I'm not you functioning slept, at full capacity. You slept straight through the interview. I did. Yeah. I did. I had to reschedule yeah. it. It was embarrassing. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But That's I should have known that. Should yeah. know that, answer that question. Okay, why don't you ask me one? And then, uh, you can <laughs> really, because I look so bad after failing two questions. <laughs> well, I got easy ones for you. Okay. Okay, here we go. First one. Um, what well, easy one? How many bones are there in the human body? How many bones are there in the human body? Yeah. I think it's over 200. And your penis does not count as a bone? No, not always. Let's see, 212. Well, it's close. I mean, who knows this stuff? 254. No, 206 is the answer. 206, by, oh. And by the way, some mammals do have a penis bone. I overbid in both cases. Um, it's called a back Really? Yeah. Can you tell me what animal has a, uh, I think a true a seal, boner? A seal has them. Seal, okay. I, I remember the seal because in my anatomy class in undergrad, we had a bell ringer exam where you open the doors and all these animals are laid in front of you with mm. pins stuck in body parts you have to identify. Mm. And there is a seal with a, a penis bone. And I stared at it for 10 minutes. I, that's a penis bone. <laughs> I'll never forget looking at a seal's penis bone. <laughs> you should put that on your tombstone. <laughs> I tombstone will be made from. <laughs> from penis, penis seal bone. bone. Okay. Do you have another one for me? Do you I do indeed. Me? Okay. Okay. So um, this is part one and two. Uh, humans and chimpanzees share roughly how much DNA? At least 99%, I think. No, 98.7%. Oh, not bad. 98%. 98, okay. But men and women share how much DNA? Huh. Once you get that X and Y chromosome out of there, uh, let's see what's left. I've got to say 98% as well, at least. Yeah, 98.4%. Yeah. Okay. So there's something I was telling my students is, I, you and I probably have more genetically in common with the male chimpanzee than we do with the female human. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's fascinating. I like that one. Lay it on me. And they're not monkeys. They're not monkeys. They're not monkeys. They're apes. Um, okay, here's one that's topical from, from, from the news, tangentially. What was the most expensive film ever made? And how much do you think it cost? Are we controlling for modern inflation? Oh, uh, no. So let, uh, well, it didn't say, I'm assuming not. What? Okay. Well, let's say it is. And you know, that number is so obscenely large. It probably... Well, if you're controlling for inflation, I would say it's God with the wind. Mm. If you're not controlling for inflation, um, I'm thinking either Avatar or, yeah, I'll go with Avatar. I remember Titanic was really expensive too. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do the, the, the verification of these facts, so I'm going to say that. But <laughs> it said Wikipedia. It, it cost $375 million to to. Uh, film this and it was pirates of the caribbean get out yeah isn't that insane this is why johnny depp is so uh and it made up. what 20 bucks i mean the first one was like i mean i don't know how much it made but it's, that's, maybe it's the uh, all five of them combined it says the most expensive film ever made was pirates of the caribbean right. average budget for a big studio movie is 65 million so anyway but they they ended up making more of them so. Okay, I've got another one for you. This is my favorite one. 
I may have told you this already. Uh, this is the one I pull out at parties and other places where, you know, I want to impress people. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm not a seal. Um, what is the color of a strand of polar bear hair? It's um, transparent. Yeah, well, well, not transparent. Well, it's, it's, it's glass. Trans, translucent. Translucent. Yes, yes yeah. Yeah, it's You're transparent. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically colorless. Colorless. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, reflection of light that creates the illusion. Exactly. They're like fiber optics. So the what color is the polar bear's skin? Pink? No, it's black. What? Yeah. So what's happening is the fiber optic um, hair is pulling the sunlight to the skin and the blackness of the skin absorbs the heat. But it's still the from a distance the hair looks white, so it gets both the camouflage and the heat absorption. At the that same is time. some intelligent design there. Yeah, that's really ingenious, <laughs> actually. I've always thought that was very cool. Phrase chosen intentionally. Mm. Okay, um, uh, at what temperature are Celsius and Fahrenheit the same? I know this minus forty. That, yeah. that is correct. Because they always bring it up every time it hits minus forty. And it's, it's astounding to me that it hits minus 40 so commonly where I live. <laughs> you can tell Why do Canadian. I live in a place <laughs> where Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same? Can, can, can coincide. Do you know where, uh, why Celsius and Fahrenheit? Uh, Celsius has zero degrees for freezing and 100 degrees for boiling, which makes complete sense. Do you know why in Fahrenheit it's 32 degrees for uh, freezing and was it 212 degrees for boiling or whatever it is? Because he was a crack addict, Fahrenheit was. Fahrenheit, he was a, well, he was a British guy. I don't know if he was a crack addict, but apparently the way he did his scale is he tried to get the coldest thing he could think of. So he mixed ice and salt together and he measured that. And he said, that's zero Fahrenheit because ice, ice, icy, salted ice is actually cold and freezing. Right? And then I think it was his underarm <laughs> or the rectal, thing? rectal temperature was a hundred. So like a bucket of salty ice and his under his armpit are the two ends of the scale right. <laughs> for, for zero and 100 in Fahrenheit. We can mock him, but yeah. I don't have a scale name after me. <laughs> That's true. All, All right. right. Um, how many vertebrae does the average human possess? You like these bone questions. Well, I thought I'd make it easy this time around. That's, okay. I know because I between my... Uh, is it S5 and L1 vertebrae? I, that's where I herniated a disc, I believe. So there's at least five there. And then the L1s, I'm going to, I have, I don't know, 18. That's a fair guess. 33. 33? Yeah. What are you, some sort of freak? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a relevant question. <laughs> I've had half of mine fused because <laughs> I've had so many herniated discs. So I heard about a guy who actually jumped out of a, a plane and his parachute didn't deploy properly and he landed on his feet and he survived, oh but he, he herniated every single one of his I discs. I can imagine that. Uh, he was just pop, 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 pop. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh. Just the thought of that. I'd okay. rather die. Yeah. yeah um, okay. So uh, relatedly, how many, how many teeth does an average oh. human adult have? Yeah. You know, you're making me look stupid because I have, a, count them in your I have a full set of teeth and, and vertebrae. You can access them in real right time. Here. Right yeah. Now. Well, I've had actually had bicuspids removed because I had braces in the day when they didn't do the palate widening and stuff. And they're like, we need more room in there. Let's just pull out some of those teeth. And they just took them out. 
explains so much about you. Yeah. Well, you know, before you answer that question, the, the and I question had my wisdom teeth removed. Explains everything. Are you counting wisdom? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I walk right into that one. I think I am counting wisdom teeth. Let's see. Uh, I, I don't. That's a good question. So I'm before gonna, you, before you answer like, the question, yeah, yeah, yeah. the question. I mean, yeah. it, the, the the true question actually is the next one, which is, what is the dental formula for the human animal? Here's the science education part of it. Uh, dental scholars mm -hmm. compare different animals' dentitions by the dental formula, which is how many teeth you have in a quadrant. Right. You've got you know, four quadrants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's four numbers. Uh, one, two, three, four numbers. The first is the- Thank you for three. defining four. <laughs> <laughs> it's one more than three. One, one more than five. three, yeah, okay. So it's number of incisors, number of canines, the number of premolars, and the number of molars. Yeah. That is your formula. So what two, is your formula? Three, four, five. I only have five. One, two, three, four, five. I'm glad not everyone's watching this. Yeah, so I have like, the, I've got like 20 teeth. Are you kidding me? I think it must include the um, wisdom teeth. Okay. So what are we talking about? 26, 24? So again, your dental formula here, count them in one quadrant, multiply by yeah. four. Multiply by four, yeah. So, so I, got, I... You got five? That's what I'm thinking. One, two, three, four, five. Maybe that's six. I've got 24 teeth. Interesting. <laughs> well, the human dental formula is two, one, two, three. Two, one? <laughs> or eight. Eight teeth. So two, two incisors. Yeah, eight uh, in a quadrant. Canine. Eight in a quadrant. That's right, yeah. So eight times so four. So 32 teeth? 32 teeth, yes. I'm supposed to have 32? Uh, I'm obviously miscounting. Either that or I've had my teeth fused like my vertebrae. <laughs> <laughs> I just have two bands of bone <laughs> and one pole at my back. All right. Okay, I just, I did all that to make you feel better about my earlier Thank questions. you, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All right, I've been to this place and I've seen these, these, uh, formations what place on earth has the highest concentration of caves oh uh turkey no damn it um do you want a country no no we're talking smaller let's talk about like a, like a state size region so a u.s state obviously like that's why a concentration <laughs> yeah okay so, very good uh, colorado now you have a one in 50 chance yeah no it's kentucky oh Kentucky, that's though. the last state I would have chosen. Yeah, if you drive through life. Kentucky, which I would do every year. You know, I wouldn't, I knew, you know why I knew this? Yeah. Let me tell you what, before I, so I interrupt you. You knew it before, but you didn't know it. But yes, you didn't remember because it. Because of the Penny Royal. Oh, okay. Because of the, all the tales of paranormal goings on in the cave right. system of Kentucky. Right, right. The mammoth caves. Yeah. Oh, all these um, tales of strange creatures emerging from the cave system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Strange noises and things like that. And they used to use them as... Um, tuberculosis uh, sanitariums as well. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, and that was the first time where I went into a cave and experienced absolute darkness, the complete absence of light. Because that's hard, actually it's hard to, to experience the complete yeah. absence of light in our, our normal everyday life. But we went in there and he shut off the lights and- It's bone it was, chilling, isn't it? It was kind of scary, yeah. Yeah. The guy was yeah, holding my hand right in front of my face and not seeing a, a thing. And then he left us there. And that's why I have <laughs> therapy to this day. Okay. I'm going to stick with the geography. And this one has a visual okay. aid because I don't think you'll recognize it, but there is an island that's within a lake. Okay. On an island that's within a lake on an island. 
An island within a lake. That's not an island. Sorry, you go ahead. You repeat it. No, no. This is an archipelago, obviously. Yes. Um, and it's either going to be somewhere in Indonesia. That's a really good guess. Or the Philippines. It's the Philippines. Yeah. Excellent guess. Although yeah. apparently there, there might be one in Nunavut, but I, I didn't have a chance to, to verify that one. So here I'm going to share my screen. For those that are home, uh, uh, sorry, those that are listening, I pulled up Google Earth. Oh. So this is the island here, vol uh, volcanic Vulcan Point. And it's in this crater lake on Pal Volcano in the Philippines. And then that is an island that's inside Pal Lake, hmm. which is on the archipelago island of, I think, Luzon in the Philippines. Cool. Zoom back in. So I thought that was kind of cool. The closest we get to something that's that, well, sort of interesting geographically in Ontario is um, Lake on a Mountain. Do you, have you ever been to Lake on a Mountain? I have not heard of Lake on a Mountain. Yeah, I think it's near Prince Edward County. And um, you are on the road and you can look down and see the, which lake would be Lake Ontario, I guess, I suppose down below. And then on the other side, there's another lake elevated very high up. So there's like an elevation difference of, I don't know how many feet, but it's actually kind of interesting. Hmm. I made it sound very boring. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, you did kind of. <laughs> I, I, apparently I can't, I can't operate Google Maps and, and talk at the same time. <laughs> how did you All get right. in this little box, Ray? <laughs> like, wait, are you back there? <laughs> Hey, I'm having turn. problems with technology. Okay. All right. What you is the name? One. What is the name of the tallest you know, most, grass? Most of the people have shut off by now. That we're just doing this for ourselves. But anyway, we do every episode for ourselves because for ourselves. up to now we had no audience. <laughs> okay. What is the tallest what now? Grass on Earth. The tallest grass? Species of it's grass. probably bamboo. Yes. Good job. Yeah. Well, well, I'm an Asian studies expert, so I gotta know that. I'm growing some bamboo, two types of bamboo in my backyard, but it's not very tall. You're literally watching grass grow. Yeah, literally. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what is grass though? It's thrilling. Actually. What is the definition of grass? Uh, oh, that's a great question. I know it must be a rhizome, right? Um, no, I don't know what the definition is. Well, the only um, competent definition I found was a green plant with jointed stems, ah, okay. long slender leaves, and stalks of clustered flowers. Okay, that sounds good to me. I think I may have asked you this question before. Um, let me try it again. What is the nearest planet to Earth? It's a trick question. Oh, the nearest planet to Earth. Okay, yeah, you probably did ask me this question before. And I know the moon is not considered a planet, so that's not right. That's a planetoid. Um, so I'm just going to do the easy one and say Mars. The answer is wrong. Yeah, is I know it's guess? wrong, but I can't. Is there something at a certain point where? It's a trick question, like I said. Yeah. OK, I'm not going to get it. Put me out of my yeah, misery. The answer is Mercury. Mercury. Okay. And here's another caveat before I explain why that is. Why would the that? nearest planet to Uranus <laughs> is, also, is also Mercury. And the nearest planet 
to Jupiter is also Mercury. Here's the reason, is when we are measuring the distance between planets, are we measuring the distance at the nearest point, at the furthest point, or an average of where that planet is during the course of its year? Wait, so at some point, but at some point, Mercury is not actually closer than Venus to Earth. So think about where these planets but on, are. But on average, because of on their, average. Uh, their right. uh, elliptical it's orbit. Exactly right. So they okay. all orbit the sun. So right. at some, let me explain this for the people watching who yeah, know yeah. as practical as you sense. are. So um, sometimes these planets are closer to us when they're all on the same side of the sun. Sometimes they're further from us when we're on opposite sides of the sun. But because Mercury is the closest to the sun, its relative distance when it's on this side versus that side of the sun is small versus, mm -hmm. say, Jupiter, which is enormous. Way, way out there. Um, yeah. okay. So when it's on the far side of the sun from us, it's really, really far. So yeah. on average, the average distance between us and Mercury is shorter than the average distance between us and Venus. Yeah. And the average distance between Mercury and anything else is shorter than the average distance between anything else and anything else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But in, like, in a sort of common sense way, you'd be thinking of just lining them up all at the same right. point in the orbit. That's why it's a trick. Yeah. As, as an aside, by the way, you know you can put... Um, you could, you could line up, if it's physically possible, which it isn't, all of the known planets between the Earth and the Moon. They mm -hmm. all fit. Right, right. Isn't that yeah. crazy? They all yeah. fit. Yeah, they're not that big. This is actually very topical, good segue into my right. final question for you. Ooh, all right. Which is wider, Australia or the Moon? So the diameter of the Moon yeah, or the right. width of Australia at its widest point? Because it's a trick question, I would say mm. obviously Australia. Mm. Yeah. Great. How much wider do you think it is? Uh, yay, yay wider. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more. I would it's, say maybe 40% wider. It's only 600 kilometers wider. So the moon is around 3,400 kilometers and Australia is around 4,000. You're talking um, diameter? The diameter of the moon, yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah. interesting. So the moon, you could set the moon down in Australia and still have 300 kilometers on either side to spare. Okay. Uh, a few more questions for you. Oh, man, uh, I thought this was over. No, 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 sir. <laughs> I've uh, counted my teeth and my vertebrae. What else, <laughs> what else do you want from me? An egg's shell is what percentage of the egg's weight? Chicken egg. An shell egg's shell. I imagine that's going to be a very small percentage. Uh, so I'm just going to pick 1%. It's 12% uh, actually. 12? Yeah. Wow, okay. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I'll skip the next boring questions. I like, write to the good stuff. Because when you do like a those Easter eggs where you blow the the egg out, you suck suck the egg out or whatever you do to the eggs. <laughs> I fertilize the eggs. Graham. I fertilize them. <laughs> After you're finished blowing and sucking with the eggs, <laughs> and then, fertilizing it, <laughs> and you just have the shell left over, it's incredibly light. I, I thought twelve percent. Well, hey, hey, you know what? Um, maybe Google's lying to me. Mm -hmm. All things are possible. Well, at least All you right. actually verified yours. I just my final question is an educational question, as opposed to the previous ones, which are nonsense. Mm -hmm. What is the current geological era in which we are in? Oh, that's that's uh, the Dionandozaic era. This is true, but yeah. that's not quite recognized fully yet. Okay, it soon. It will be at some point. Uh, the Anthropogene. You know, that was going to be my follow-up. The, the, mm. the Anthropocene, is, Anthropocene not, thank you. is not officially recognized. But even uh, if it were, 
No. Even if it were, it's an epoch, not an era. So not an epoch era. is a subunit of, of eras. The eras are much bigger. Eras are bigger. Like for example, yeah. the, the era we're in are right longer. now. Yeah. yeah, the era we're in right now contains the Paleocene and the Eocene. Right, all the scenes. All the scenes. The whole scene yeah. is there. So the Anthropocene, if people don't know, is this theoretical epoch um, that describes the recent period in Earth's history when human activity has changed things. And some people say that it started when the atomic bomb was first uh, detonated. Mm -hmm. It's not officially recognized yet. Okay, I don't, are we? I don't know. Well, the previous era was the Mesozoic. Before yes, that was the Paleozoic. Yeah. Paleozoic, yeah. We are in the Cenozoic. Cenozoic. Yeah, and no, I would never have guessed that. Me either. Mm. Sounds like one of the dudes from Hellraiser. Mm. Cenobites. The Cenocene. All right. Well, those are all the questions, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this, this, show now, this show now feels like as long as the Cenozoic <laughs> era. Wait, oh, wait. That practice. <laughs> when will the Cenozoic era end? How do we know when it ends? What, what, who calls the end of an era? I think the referee does. Okay. You're going to call the end of this episode? Yeah. <laughs> you can think about that. All right. Well, thank it's you very much, a, Graham. It's been a pleasure, actually. I, I miss doing this, so I'm yeah, glad man. you, you appreciated it. <laughs> so if we have any listeners out there, feel free to contact us at sciencemonkey.ca or on our Twitter um, account, which is sciencemonkey, at sciencemonkeyca. Mm -hmm. uh, we're happy to have another episode where we answer your questions or not. Yeah. And we don't have to wait for another, you know, plague of some sort to have another episode. <laughs> no. All right. Signing off. Signing off.